pretty much every single woman to some extent was just like a glorified manic pixie dream girl. Welcome to Red Wine Reads, a community of book lovers talking about our favorite and not-so-favorite books while pouring a glass or two of wine. I'm your host, Jenna Miller, and with me today is Rebecca Sasmacat, who loves a good dose of horror with her books. Now, Rebecca and I worked in the podcasting world together, and I'm so happy to have her join the Red Wine Reads podcast team, and so I'm so excited for this episode because this is her premiere episode, debut episode, if you will. So... Let's get into it. Now, before we start, I should warn you that we do spoil the endings of the books we review, so if you don't like that, then please go finish the book and come right back to this episode. But if you're just here for the fun-loving and maybe sometimes heated conversation, then welcome. We're so happy you're here. Whether you want to read one, none, or all of these books, the choice is up to you. These reviews are not backed by any science or experience, just purely two opinionated amateur readers. You may hate the books we love or love the books we hate. Everyone has different tastes, but we hope this podcast is fun to listen to no matter how you like your books. You can tell us your opinions, your hot takes, and whatever else on these books on our Instagram and TikTok at Podcast. So without further ado, let's pull some corks and get reading. This week, we read The Overstory by Richard Powers. Rebecca, thank you so much for joining. I'm so excited to have you on Red Wine Reads. Hello, I'm so excited to be here. This is an honor and a privilege. Thank you for having me on. I cannot tell you. Um, for those listening, you know, uh, Rebecca and I met through the podcast world. So it's just full circle that we get to come here and record a podcast together. <laughs> I never get to be on the front end of a podcast. It's always behind. You know, it's a whole different world out here. It is. I'm kind of like nervous. Uh, Don't be nervous. Well, first of all, we'll start off with an easy question. What are you drinking tonight? I am drinking some, I believe it's chamomile tea. I got this when I was sick. Nice. And it's non-caffeine because it's 8.15 at night Mm -hmm. and I need to wind down. That's great. I had my boyfriend Casey make me tea, which I'm so, so grateful for because I was recovering from bronchitis last week. So... We made it through. <laughs> That's rough. But um, I'm just now looking and it's Earl Grey tea. So I'm pretty sure that has caffeine. It has caffeine. So we're going to take it easy tonight. <laughs> well, amazing. Uh, we'll just uh, dive right in. What I like to do is kind of start with some quick facts about this book about our author before we get started. So this book was originally published in 2018. It received a whopping 4.1 out of 5 stars on Goodreads. So is that good? Ridiculously good on Goodreads. Oh, wow. Really? Yes. Anything four and over on Goodreads is very good. That honestly shocks me. Shocks me too. We'll get into it. But we have Richard Powers. He's kind of been in the writing world for a very long time. He wrote his first book in about around 1982 after he saw a 1914 photograph, Young Farmers, at the Museum of Fine Arts in Boston. And he was just so inspired that he quit his job and wrote a book. (laughs) I wish I could. Yeah, why don't we all just start doing that? But since then, he's just wrote a bunch of books. He's won a bunch of awards. He's... 
too smart for his own good. Um, and then Overstory came out in 2018. And then I personally have really started seeing it on my social like the past past year or so. Yeah, I think I first saw it. I actually have, since you're able to save TikToks into like categories, this I have like a book categories that I stumble across. I think the Overstory has been in that category for... I would say nine, nine-ish months, if not to a year. So it's definitely been something that at least past me has said, oh, that looks interesting. And I saved it. And then every once in a while, I'll scroll through it. <laughs> yeah, I had a friend who I was telling her about the podcast. She had she had been my original confidant in this podcast. And I was like, I would love to have you on for an episode. And she was like, great. I just finished the overstory. And this was back in February of this year. And I was like, great. And I got the book and I was like, let's read it together. And then I never got to it. And so sorry, Cass. Honestly, you, you saved her one. I know. I have mixed feelings. <laughs> let's just say that. So a little summary before we really dive in. They don't really have a really good summary since this is kind of a collection of a bunch of short stories that somehow kind of then intertwine with each other into a novel. Does that mean? <laughs> sure. <laughs> I don't really know how to describe it. But anyways, they don't really have like a full blown plot line of this book. So this is what the um, summary from Amazon says. So the overstory winner of the 2019 Pulitzer Prize in fiction is a is a sweeping and passion work of activism and resistance that is also a stunning evocation of Anpayan. They're using a lot of big words here. Anpayan to the natural world. From the roots to the crown and back to the seeds, Richard Powers' 12th novel unfolds in concentric rings of interlocking fables that range from antebellum New York to the late 20th century timber wars of the Pacific Northwest and beyond. There is a world alongside ours, vast, slow, interconnected, resourceful, magnificently inventive, and almost invisible to us. This story of a handful of people who learn how to see the world and who who are drawn up into its unfolding catastrophe. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Does that make any sense? <laughs> I think that summary is exactly what the book is. <laughs> the entire time, you're like, I know some of these words. If you say each word of this entire book by itself, you're like, yes, I know all of these words. Yeah. But string them together the way they have been strung. You sit there and you're like, I don't think I can process English. <laughs> yeah. like, I swear to God, English is my first language. I can read, speak and write in English, but I don't think I can right now. Here's what I was going to say was I, I first started reading this and I read it in the book form. <laughs> in book, paperback, and I was like, I'm lost. I don't really know what's going on. It's very poetic. It's very pretty. Like the way it's written is very, it feels smart when reading it. And then I was like, I just don't think I'm going to be able to like read this the way I want to read it. So I got it on audio and then I was like, okay, I'm starting to get into the stories. And then I thought they were all just short stories. So then I was like, oh, cool. Short story. Cause it was like a story and then it ended and then a story and then it ended and then a story and then it ended. I was like, okay, I can get on board with this. I like short stories. And then I was like, wait, a character's back. Oh wait, who's here? <laughs> and then <laughs> got lost again, then picked it back up around page 200. Um, and I was like, oh, I'm back in it. Uh, I'm really enjoying it. Really know what's going on. And then they lost me about through page 350. 
and then I couldn't get back. I don't like short stories. I'm not a short story gal. Like I'd like a good through line. I'm really, really stingy about my through line. And so when I realized it was like small stories, like it got away from the original Huel or Huel. I don't know how to pronounce the last name. The more characters I'm introduced to, the less I care about them. So by the time we got to Dorothy and Ray, they are my two least favorite characters in the entire book. And I'm quite certain it's because they are the last two were introduced to, I believe. Yeah. And I'm just like, I couldn't care less about these individuals. Like if they just burst into flame right now, I just couldn't. I would honestly be excited. But there's nine, nine people that we just got introduced to in a non-chronological order. Yeah. Here are our characters. So we got Nick, who's the tree guy. And then we have Neely, Neele. I pronounced it in my head Neele. Neele, okay. We have Neele, who's the computer genius, but he falls out of a tree and gets paralyzed. Also, no, we'll keep going and then I'll laugh. Um, and then we have the girl who gets electrocuted, Olivia, who comes back to life and now can hear things. But she's also with Nick's story, kind of, toward the end. And then you have Alex, who is the professor who ends up getting arrested at the end. Adam. Adam. <laughs> I have them all written down because I couldn't remember. Oh, okay. Well, you keep going. Okay, got Adam. And then who else? Uh, There's Adam. And then there's Mimi and Douglas, who kind of find each other. Yeah. Mimi, she was, I believe she was an engineer Mm -hmm. who had the father who killed himself. Yep. And then Douglas was the young, when he was young, he like submitted himself into like this experiment in this prison and then drafted in the army and then started planting trees and then revolted. And that's how he met up with Mimi. And then there's uh, Patricia. Mm-hmm. Who was the deaf woman scientist who got basically expelled from her scientific community? Is that when she like almost kills herself, runs off into the woods? She almost kills herself using mushrooms and then runs off into the woods. Like if that, okay, this is what I'm saying. The more characters, Patricia was actually one of my favorite. And I feel like if that's where it would have ended, I feel like that would have been the perfect ending for her. Yeah. Using what you know in nature and just your pure IQ brain power to do that. That's so smart. And then she didn't do it. And I was like, all right, fine. I mean, I'm not mad, but that would have been perfect. Yeah. And then there's Ray and Dorothy, the actors, who I could not care less about these characters in my entire reading life. I genuinely forgot what happened to Ray. And then it came back to Ray and he was in the bed. And I was like, wait, what what happened to him? We can get back to them. Basically, I just I didn't understand why they were there at all. Was that it? Uh, yeah, those were the nine characters. Let me see. I had some like sub characters, like the original Huel, who planted the chestnut tree. Um, Winston Ma, who was Mimi's father. Um, and then Dennis. Oh, I love Dennis. Patricia's husband. I love Dennis. Dennis was so sweet. Dennis was like my favorite. I think my order of characters that I liked, but top three for sure was Neele was my favorite. I liked Adam. I didn't realize Adam shows up again in the story. I thought like once he applied to university, that was it. I forgot about him because then we meet 18 other characters. And then by the time Adams comes back as like his tree name, Maple, I was like, this is an entirely different person. Oh, I didn't know who it was. (laughs) So it wasn't until (laughs) I read a summary yesterday. I was like, 
That's the same person. I, I genuinely like thought Watchmen and Maiden Hair. Yeah. And uh, what's his real name? <laughs> My God. Nick. Nick. Um, see, this is this is why I can't. Yeah. So Watchmen and Nick, I thought I thought were two different people. And then I was like, oh, they are the same person <laughs> as they were in the tree together. And then they were calling each other different names. And then at one point, Olivia calls him Nicholas. And then I'm like, what is going on? <laughs> Who are you people? <laughs> <laughs> talking to the bugs or the lights <laughs> it was just pure chaos like as you hear us talking through this this is how it felt reading the book <laughs> this is on like we are taking you page by page through this book like i'm not even joking like this is exactly how it happens sorry you were saying top three who are your top three characters oh neely dennis i believe it was adam everybody else insufferable mm-hmm. yeah i liked mimi up until the when she really started to get into the riots in, or into like the protests, I thought she was like badass. And then it just kind of turned into like, I'm a, I'm the youngest child. So I have like young child syndrome. So the moment that I realized she was like an eldest sister and she was just basically just like shitting on her little sisters. I was just like, oh, pass <laughs> hard fast. Thank you, girl. <laughs> <Here we go. laughs> Next character. <laughs> I think it would have had a more powerful impact on, like you were saying, if it would have, if it would have been more short story-esque and just like ended after each thing, because as soon as you start to try to pick it up again and you have nine storylines that we are following. Insanity. <laughs> like it's hard to get into it. And I understand that it's not supposed to be like a plot driven story, so to say, like it's supposed to be more of. But halfway through it all of a sudden picks up a through line and a plot and then it just gives up. Yeah. You're two thirds of the way through the book and you're like, wow, this is actually pretty good. Hold on. Wait, I know everyone's backstories. I'm kind of attached to everybody. This is actually getting really good. And then all of a sudden they're like the seeds. And I was like, oh, hello. <laughs> the plot was gone. Yeah. It was like, I think it picked up for me as soon as they got into the tree. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. And then we're kind of getting into this stuff and then the bomb blows up and it's like Olivia's dead and you're like, oh my God. And they're blaming Adam for not going to get help. And it's like, oh my gosh, this is crazy. And then like you said, and it's like next part, boom, everything's gone. And we're back with Dorothy and Ray. And you're like, wait, who are these people? And then Ray has a stroke and you're like, not even, I'm not, I don't care. I know. Cause I was like, who the hell is Ray? And I'm sorry, but if you have, if you have Douglas, Dorothy and Dennis, I'm going to get all of them confused. And I sure as heck did. I think towards the end, I honestly, I just like grouped them in. There was, I think my top three, I knew all like all of the names and I had like faces in my head and then like men and women. And then I would get like two paragraphs into their little spiel and I was like, oh, okay, this is Patricia. (laughs) Okay. We have been ragging on it a little bit. So if there was anything I would just say, like, I really liked about this book is the actual writing of it is gorgeous. It's it is hard to follow and it's a little too smart at points where it's like we don't need to talk about the exact seedling and how it, you know, grows in the ground and does this whole thing in the middle of us telling the backstory of like some other character. It's like, we'll just take a very weird detour toward like, this is what this tree does. And like, let's do four, you know, four paragraphs about this tree and then come back to this character. But I think like overall, I was like, wow, this is really pretty writing. And I'm very happy reading it in the sense that I felt very smart reading it. I was hoping someone on the train would like lean over and look at it and be like, wow, she's so intelligent. 
And I'm just like reading the same paragraph over and over and over again the entire half hour commute into work. Oh no. And I liked the middle part. I really did. I really got into it. And it just lost me at the very, it lost me at the end. But that was another thing is I think I tried so hard to like it because I was like, this is a smart book. I need to be a smart reader. I feel like I should like this because everyone else really likes it. And it's just not my cup of tea. I wanted to like it. And I do like the bare bones of like the message of it. Mm -hmm. I am all for a good like tree wisdom book. I'm all for trees. Like I'm on team trees <laughs> every single day of my life. I love it. So I was like, I really like the meaning of this book. I feel like it tried to make too much of a balance of highlighting the trees and highlighting the human beings of the book that it kind of lost its message in the details. They tried to highlight it so much that there were times where there there weren't any correlation between the two. When we were being introduced to each character, they had a tree introduced with them. And I was like, oh my God, this is genius. Each person gets their own tree and they grow together, they thrive together, they struggle together in the same ways, like they're correlated so that like the, you as a reader can like make the connection of trees are living beings just as intelligent as humans. So they need to be treated as thus but that doesn't happen. And I'm like, wait a second. Why was, why did we do all of this then? Yeah. Like, I don't understand. Like, why would you not do the obvious thing? <laughs> I feel like there's so many obvious things that you could have done well, but because they were obvious, the writer was pretty much just like, oh, I'm too smart for this. I can't make it easy. And then it was just hard. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That, that's how it felt. It felt like the, the writer was like, yeah, you stupid beings. Like, we'll try to figure it out. You'll understand it. That's why I think the short stories work so well, because they connected so right out of the gate. The tree connection is there. And that's that. I think that's like what made it so interesting. Yeah. Like each person had their own tree and you're like, oh, their little tree tree match. Like, how cute. And then it was gone. And then you're like, oh, nice, a little plot line. This is really good. And then the ending happened. And you're like, oh, absolutely everything that I've read prior to where you see the page that says seeds on page four, 472 means absolutely jack shit. No, and I was listening to the ending and I was like just cleaning my house. And then I was like, wait, it's over? Still? I don't understand. <laughs> what does still mean? <laughs> still what? <laughs> Still what? <laughs> it's just tough because I, I feel like I wanted to like it and I'm still trying to like it. <laughs> I know. I'm still trying to justify it. And I think it's just one of those books that like maybe if I would have read it slower, maybe if I would have taken time with it, it may have worked out better because it is dense. You listened to the audiobook and read it at the same time. How could you have possibly consumed this any other way than to <laughs> get the information? <laughs> like what? I'm reading mine on the subway with eight other people's in my way. Like, I don't know, like sit and journal after eating. I think it's just pretentious in the wrong way. Yeah. And I think yeah, I, I feel bad for always relating this, but I feel like this is the only author that I can think of that relates to these types of books. But like Donna Tart writes very pretentiously and very like very just in her own world. And she's kind of like, if you want to read my book, you better figure out what's going on yourself. But she writes in a way that is very intriguing to me. I have read, almost, I think, all but one of Donna Tart's books and loved every single one of them. The Goldfinch is what's so good. Like, I still think about it and I get chills how much I loved that book. But that's like an example of a book that's maybe not 
super linear, but also it is like it has a through line, but it's also like you have characters, yet you're still getting enough of them together and you're getting enough of their stories that like you you know where you are in the story mm-hmm. instead of choppy, 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 choppy. And then like and also if maybe we would have broken this book up to okay, maybe you have like each character introduced and then you kind of go about like, okay, now let's like introduce the plot line. But like Dorothy and Ray were totally on the outskirts. They didn't really have anything to do with the story. And then you have the people that were involved in the tree, in the bombings. And then you have like Mimi and Douglas. Douglas. Yeah, they were involved in the bombings. And then Patricia and Dennis on the, on the outskirts as well. I don't know. It just felt like they were too disconnected. They had to come together in some sense. And like in one way they kind of did, but not really. And so like if they all would have like, you know, happened to be at the bombing or if they all would have like met at like Neelay's conference at the very end or something like, you know, like if something of that nature would have happened, I think it would have like tied it together a little bit more. But we were bringing some characters together and we weren't bringing others and it didn't make sense why we weren't connecting them all. Yeah, I totally agree with with that 100%. I, that this book could have been 300, like 250, 300 pages long. Like I think a good 200 pages of this book could have been just at, just chopped. By the end of the story, there was no reason for any of this to happen. Yeah. Like, yeah, like it makes you feel sympathetic for trees. Like it brings up your awareness, which I assume is that's obviously the message. But at the same time, I'm like, I'm not thinking about trees anymore. I'm thinking about why these characters are doing what they're doing in this book. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Also another undertone that I'm not sure if I'm just projecting onto it, but it's something, it's just like the typical, like pretty much every single woman to some extent was just like a glorified manic pixie dream girl. Each of these characters who are women come somehow come into the lives of the male characters, change their life, and they all die. And the men are just like, oh my god, like they all leave dramatically, they all die. The only one I think where the woman doesn't die first is Patricia. And Dorothy. Oh, and Dorothy. But Dorothy like leaves and cheats on him. Like she comes in. The whole reason they meet is because he's like, oh, like I want to date her. And she's like, let's go to a play and changes his life for the better. And then she cheats on him. And then she realizes she's, she's like, oh, you have a stroke. Mm, sorry. <laughs> Guess I'll stay. I feel bad. But I'm just like, ick. That's disappointing. I was like, Olivia literally is the entire reason for all of this happening, good and bad. And... She's just a manic pixie dream girl. Yeah, she like has this whole like life-changing experience. She dies and comes back to life. And then she's like, oh my God, I can save the trees. And then changes all these these poor men. Apparently Adam also at the end of the book, he's like, oh my God, I was in love with her. Yeah, that was. <laughs> I was like, okay, cl- of course you were. Yeah, classic. And then Mimi was in love with her and I was like, okay. Everyone was in love with her and then she just tragically dies. And everyone's like, ah, oh, my life has changed. But like you also don't get any depth to her character. It's like she she's just this like far off being just yeah, she sees that she hears this higher power coming from the trees. Everything was so random and disappointing. And this is another thing I, I'm thinking about. And I kept thinking about this and I kept forgetting about it. And now I'm going <laughs> to finally say it. But, so it may not relate to what we're talking about right now. But the way he wrote every character would he would introduce, especially toward the beginning, every character he would introduce would die tragically. It was like, oh, we have this. We have Mimi's father. He kills himself. We have this guy and he dies of whatever back in the 
the day. And so he dies. And then there's a car accident. And then this happens. And then there's a, he falls out of a tree. He gets paralyzed. Nick, all of Nick's family dies tragically in carbon monoxide poisoning. Was that it? Was it carbon monoxide yes. poisoning? <laughs> and so I'm like, the whole time I'm just like listening to it. I'm just like waiting for the next like shoe to drop. I'm like, oh, somebody else is going to die. Oh, somebody else is going to die. And then he spends like way too much time talking about these people falling out of these freaking trees. Mimi falling out and like hurting her shoulder and cutting her face. And then you have Neelie falling out of his tree. Well, not even falling out of the tree, but just like getting brutally like, like maimed or like hurt or like... It just, it just felt like the story's going on. And then he spends like an entire page talking about Mimi falling out of a tree. And it just feels like, all right, guy, <laughs> we're getting into the plot. And then all of a sudden it's just like, Err! now let's spend an entire page talking about this whole thing that happens. That that was, yeah. And that was the same idea with the, fr- with the tree as well. Like he would like detour and talk about like this one leaf. By halfway through the book, the first half, you're like, ooh, okay. Yeah, this must mean something. But then halfway through the book, you're just like, I know this doesn't mean anything. I was like, I know that I'm going to flip the page and I'm going to meet a new character. Then you're like going to your like little bibliography of characters and you're like, okay, who's this person? Well, they're married to this person and they're doing this thing. If I read Game of Thrones or like high fantasy, where it's like, it's just like straight up not English, I'll probably use a key in a directory. But for something like this, no. Shouldn't need it. They get like their names and they have like tree names. Honestly, I liked that better because it was like more distinctive than Olivia, Nick, Mimi, Adam. It was Maidenhair, Watchmen, Maple, uh, what was uh, Mimi's Mulberry. See, it took me 200 pages to figure out who these people are. You can't give me another, (laughs) you can't give me another name here. I liked the tree names because it like, it meant something. They were in the trees. They were on this mission. Like I could have read an entire book of Olivia and Nick being in that tree. Oh yeah. Mima, the mother tree, something like the big tree. Mimus. I think that's what my audio book said. <laughs> my miss? My miss. How unfortunate. <laughs> I'm trying to find the description of... I'm not going to say my miss. It's Mimas. I think that's more fit for like a mother tree. Okay, I found it. He has seen monster trees for weeks, but never one like this. Mimas, wider across than his great, great, great grandfather's old farmhouse. Here, as sundown blankets them, the feel is primeval. Darshan, a face-to-face intro to divinity. The tree runs straight up like a chimney buttle and neglects to stop. From underneath, it's Y-G-G-D-R-A-S-I-L. It must be some mythical thing. It could be that word. The world tree, with its roots into the underworld and crown into the world above. 25 feet above ground, a sectionary trunk springs out from the expanse of the flank, a branch bigger than the Huel chestnut. Two more trunks flare out higher above the main shaft. The whole ensemble looks as some exercise of calisthenics, the evolutionary tree of life. One great idea splintering into the whole new family branches, high up in the run of long time. And I was like, damn, because you would forget. You're like, obviously, like, monk- like there's people like just like monkeys, like primates living in this tree. And you're like, oh, OK, they had a ju- like house layers, like floors in this tree above ground that you had to like pull yourself up onto. Yeah. Whose trunk was bigger than a farmhouse. And I was like, me I know. And they're high enough that like it's literally swaying. It's wild. Amazing. I was like, this is, I could have just read an entire book about Watchmen and Maidenhair living in Mimas. Oh, 100%. I thought that was great. And then Adam joins them and they convert him and it's like all great. And I was like, dang, this is so good. And then it ended. And then seeds happened. And then still, and I was like, okay. I can't even begin to like 
process the ending because I still don't understand it. Oh, I don't. Like I said, I didn't, I wasn't even like expecting the end and then it like just ended. I know. And it's like, Patricia doesn't get her seed bank. Nope. Nile figures out how computer science can save trees. Maybe. I don't really know. Something about code coming into the shape of a tree. I think I had to rate that part, like his ending section, about four or five times to fully like grasp in my mind's eye what he was seeing. And I still to this day cannot. Like, I don't know. I was like, I don't think I understand what this means. So I just kept going. And then it was uh, Douglas's art project. And I was like, oh, I don't get it. <laughs> I don't understand. Wait, was it? No, it was Nick. Nick who did the still. No, Nick did the art projects. He oh, did the okay. like. Douglas and Adam are in jail. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Douglas rats Adam out. Yeah. Because Douglas didn't want a long sentence. So he was like, I got a boy if you shorten my sentence. Fair. But now you're both just in jail for arson and murder. And then Mimi. Mimi's like, I can't grant. I can't grant him the satisfaction of knowing I'm thinking about him. Oh, what? You know you're thinking about him. Every day. He's not thinking about you. He's in jail. I know. She she really took a turn for the worst. I never liked her. So I was like, um, I was like, okay. I felt for her. I felt for her and I felt for her going out to the tree during like her lunch break and just like wanting to take a stand. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I did enjoy that because that was something like an, what an every person can do. Like, oh, yeah, you're looking at nice little trees outside of your workplace. Yeah, so you don't want them to go away, stand up for it. Yeah. But then she uh, becomes an arsonist. So you're like, oh, great. Was, okay, I did have a question though. Hmm. In the very beginning of the book, I believe it's like when roots happen before Nicholas is introduced. You're reading about a woman leaning against a pine tree and like signals rain down around her like seeds. And she basically like communes with the tree and the tree like speaks to her at the very beginning of the book. Yeah. Who is that supposed to be? I don't know. Okay, excellent. Good. Because I have no idea either. It's not Olivia because Olivia dies and Mimi never is never around pine trees. No. Well, let's get into our final ratings. We could keep going on, I'm sure, as, as I feel. But let's get into our final ratings for this book. Um, we'll rate out of five stars um, on the Goodreads scale. Do you want me to go first or do you want to go first? I want you to go first. Okay, great. This is tough because there are points where I really enjoyed the book and I was like, I think I'm actually going to really like this thing. And then it, I didn't like it. So I think I'm going to go with a three out of five mm-hmm. because I think it had enough for me to like it enough <laughs> that I got into it that like it wasn't like a torture to read. I don't think it's for me. It's not a book for me. Um, I didn't really, the message got lost on me a little bit. I do think like save the trees and I want to be environmentally conscious and all of that. But I think this was a little bit of a pretentious way to do it. Like you said, Uh, there are certain people that I would recommend this book to. And that one person is the one who recommended it to me. (laughs) And so like, I could see why she really, really enjoyed it. And I can see why people really enjoy this. But I think for me, not my cup of tea. He was a little too pretentious for me. A little too big words. That's that's where I'm at. So I, it was fine. Not my favorite book uh, in the world, but also not my least favorite book in the world. So mm, true. I would give it a 2.5 for how it should have stopped at 250 pages. It should have been 250 pages long. So I'm rating it 2.5. If you would have sliced off all of the characters who do not interact with each other, it would have been an amazing story. I felt it was confusing and pretentious. And I feel like you need to be one or the other. 
Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. So last, last but not least, we get into our pairings, which is your TV show, book, it, movie uh, that relate or that would pair well with this book. Does it have to be one of each? It can be. You can just do one if you want. And uh, either a wine or maybe another alcoholic beverage or a non-alcoholic beverage that would also pair well with this book. I'm trying to think of a movie and a TV show. I'm not big on movies and TV shows, but I do have a book. Okay, let's hear a book. The book is Ishmael by Daniel Quinn. If you want to read a book that does what this book is supposed to do, which makes you think about your humanity, Ishmael does it correctly. Love that. It's just such a good book. I've literally not stopped thinking about how this book was supposed to make you think. The way this book is like makes you think about like how you exist as like a creature, so good. Mmm. Okay. And it's like it does the same. It does the whole thing where it's like it makes you look at your humanity alongside nature, but it focuses on the humanity aspect of it. It doesn't try to play both sides, and it does it very well. I like that. And then my wine. I don't think I was so much concerned about like the type of wine, probably a cab, because you're going to need something that you sip on really slowly while reading this. You're just going to need a lot of time. I love them. So a real beefy cab. Like I want like cooking spices. I want my mouth to dry out. So I'm like sitting there going like the whole time I'm reading the same paragraph over and over and over again. But I found this company, they're called Bonterra. Okay. It's a zero waste, I can't remember the word, but it's basically like a, a net zero winery. Oh, cool. So they um, they hold a zero waste certification achieved by recycling as well as composting winery wastes. They have sustainability measures. They also use green energy and source recycled materials for packaging. And they give you the option of consuming in traditional wine bottles or cans. Bonterra, B-O-N-T-E-R-R-A. Wow, that's so sweet. Those are my pairings. Unfortunately, I don't. It's okay. Mine aren't very good, so it's, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you're not missing out. My book is A Tree Grows in Brooklyn by Betty Smith. It's not like, uh, the storylines are not super similar, but I just think, a tree, of course. But I just think like that, coming of age with the tree girls in Brooklyn and just like learning what your place is in this world and kind of like how do you fit in this bigger story and how do like those around you and like the environment that you grow up and how does that affect how you grow up so it's similar vibes I feel like (laughs) I have a tree and I'm in Brooklyn and I think after finishing this book I literally because I take my dog out in my backyard every single day in Brooklyn and I'm like oh that's a good book so yes. And then my my TV show is Blue Planet. I just think of like nature. Any like nature documentary. Planet Earth, Blue Planet, anything like that. That's the vibe that I'm getting. Then my movie is also a book, but I think this is funny because the book I could not read because I could not understand it, but the movie was very good. <laughs> and the movie was Annihilation. Um, and the book is by... I don't think I know that movie. I'm not good. I'm not a movie person. Annihilation is by Jeff Vandermeer, um, the book. And then the movie is with Natalie Portman and Oscar... Natalie Portman and Oscar Isaac. It's a very, it's very good movie. I want to, and I tried to read the book and I tried to listen to it on audio. It's a thick boy too. And they use so many words. I have never, I have never heard in my entire life. And it was tough. 
So uh, I would recommend the movie if you're not very sciencey like I am. So, but that that again is like, what is your what is man's you know purpose with nature? And in in their case, it's like alien nature. But like, how do you interact with each other? And how who who would like ultimately win? And it's kind of an interesting idea. And then my drink, I was gonna do a wine, but then we made cocktails on Friday using the violet like liqueur so like kind of a floral liqueur and with prosecco and some like lavender and it was very floral and very like tasty and i feel like it just kind of gave me the vibes of like being an outdoor kind of drink because <laughs> it was like flower it was like floral and it was like you know it tasted very fresh and very natural so it was very good and i highly recommend it but i'll have to get you that exact uh look here that we got but it was very good i'll link to it in our show notes well that's the show that's it that's it just us ragging on this poor book (laughs) i know i love books that let me think really critically about what i'm reading and i think this was the perfect one because i feel like if you just let yourself be overcome by reading it whether you like loved it or didn't like it i think that wasn't the purpose of the book like i think the purpose of the book was really to like sit and think and i hope the author doesn't care if someone likes it or not i mean it won a prize so obviously enough people like it i think it was good i like books that make me think so i did enjoy overall like the experience of this book but for not the reasons of enjoying it but for the reasons of not really enjoying it see there you go. Even reading books that we don't like teaches you a lesson. That's why we read, folks. <laughs> well, thank you. Thank you, Becca, for joining me on this uh, well, lovely journey that we so just went on. If you liked it, please me. go give it five I'm stars so on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, <laughs> or wherever you're listening to this right now. If you want more book-related content, you can find us on Instagram and TikTok at Podcast. Again, that's at R-W-R-E-A-D-S-P-O-D-C-A-S-T. Until next week, keep your books open and your drink glasses full. Thanks all.